Dear Lord, I thank you as we come here tonight, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity that we have this house, Lord, that we have this place to come worship you in the middle of the week, Lord, that we never take for granted what it is you've done for us, Lord, and what it is you allow us to do. I pray that you're with us tonight, Lord. Continue to strengthen us. Be with us, Lord. May we continue to do your work to impact this city, Lord. I thank you for this time. I pray that you speak through me now, Lord. Take out any thoughts, words, or actions you don't want, Lord. Let me just be the microphone for your message, Lord. I thank you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You know, I was working on tonight's message, and, you know, I tried my best, you know. Every once in a while, I have my little ADD moments, you know. I kind of go off. So this was one of those messages I was trying to reel in and get on top of, and just something God put on my heart that, you know, Sometimes just because things are going good doesn't always mean they're going right. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I, I think sometimes in the Christian life, this kind of spoke to me that, you know, especially when we first give our life to Christ, I don't know if some of you that may not have done it yet, you'll figure out what we're talking about in a little bit, but those that did, whether it be a month ago, a week ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I was, I was awesome. I was, I was wrecked. You know, it was this new life. It was this new thing. I was ready to go, ready to run out the door and run. But where was I running? I had absolutely no idea. I had no idea what this meant. I gave my life to Christ, and I'm starting this Christian walk. And sometimes we use those Christianese terms, and we use those things that we've come to know over time, and we forget that when we use those things or when we have those things around people that don't understand what they are, it's like speaking a foreign language to them. That if we just tell somebody, you know, this is awesome, welcome to the Christian life, enjoy your walk, start walking out the door, where are you walking? What are you doing? Do you have any idea? And maybe some of those that have been walking with the Lord for years, maybe we're still walking, but once again, are we walking in the right direction? Do we know where we're walking? It's great to walk in the name of God, but are you walking with the power of God? Just, to, just because we're out there going, if we're not going in the right direction, what's the point? You know, they always say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit your target every time. So I kind of wanted to share a few things that I titled this message, Who, How, and Why. We're going to dive in a little bit to it about who we are in Christ and what does that mean? How is our life in Christ and what does that look like? And why do we do all this in the first place? Or what's the point behind all this? So the, the, if you want to start flipping there, in a minute I'll jump into the, the main verses. We're going to be reading out of Ephesians 4, picking it up in verse 17 in a, in a couple of minutes. But, you know, I, I think sometimes in life, you know, we kind of can get to the point where we're just, like I said, walking, but not necessarily walking with the power of God. We kind of get stuck in a, a rut. It doesn't mean a bad thing, but we get stuck in life, and life's going pretty good, so things just move along. Well, you know, uh, a little over a month ago, my wife and I had a, a, a time in our life where I've had to rely on God for a lot of trust because my life was going good, things are smooth, no big issues. And then the time comes that we have to go drop our oldest child. I don't care how old she is, she's my baby girl. We have to drop her off at college and drive away. Well, you know, as a dad, that scared the heck out of me. You know, at first, you know, my daughter's like me, you know, we're, we're both very quiet and shy. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, I, you know, the mic's not even on right now. That's how loud I am. So we drop her off. And, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the day that we're with her. We're helping her unpack into her room. And, and let me just tell you, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm 43. I tried the college thing for a couple years. Didn't work out all that well. I didn't realize I had to actually go to class to do well. So, you know, I'm dropping her off and I'm thinking, but this isn't what it looked like when I went to college. You know, big, beautiful campus, resort-sized pool, dining hall with multiple stations. I'm like, I, I want to go back to school, you know. <laughs> 
But I'm dropping her off, and you know, we like the campus, and it's pretty, but then as a dad, I start looking around, and I noticed, I didn't realize how expensive school was, because most of the boys walking around couldn't afford shirts, obviously. So, obviously, some of the clothing is optional in college. I did not know this. And then we're on the elevator, and we're helping my son, my oldest son, he and I are moving stuff up and down at the car, and he's wearing one of the school shirts, you know, showing pride in his sister's school and everything. And a couple of girls started introducing themselves to him. And I look and I go, I I he's still in high school. <laughs> of course, he gives me that look like, Dad, seriously? Knock it off. You know, and then, of course, then I get worried for even my son because I don't do a double standard type dad. You know, even the poor girls walking out the elevator to go to the pool couldn't even afford a full bathing suit. So, I was a little worried, a little concerned. So, you know, some of you are catching that after why. Um, but, you know, as, as we were driving away, you know, that, that's when the reality set in. You know, that we're driving away, we're saying bye to her, we're waving. And, of course, my daughter being, you know, she doesn't like to show too much emotion. Yeah, all right, see you guys later. And then my wife goes to give her a hug, and my wife starts crying because she's mom. And then my daughter goes to me, Dad, why is mom crying? Are, are you serious, sweetheart? She's crying because she's going to miss you. Do you have no emotion? No? No, okay. So we, we, we drive away, and, you know, my wife's crying, and I... I I want to, I'm not going to lie, I want to, but I can't because, you know, I got to be the dad and the husband right now. But, you know, I, I kept telling myself over and over and over and over, God, just please, please be with her. God, protect her. God, protect her. God, be with her. Just God, protect her. And over and over again. You know, at some point, God told me back, yeah, I, I got it. But she was my daughter before she was yours. That she belonged to me before she belonged to you. And, and that that set in a little bit of a reality that even in the things that may not seem like a big deal, we have to be relying completely on God. We have to understand that our walk with God cannot ever become numb. It cannot become mundane and routine. Because then I'm walking around with my Jesus bumper sticker or my t-shirts that I pick up at the Christian store looking cool, but does my life reflect what it is I'm supposed to be projecting to people? So, as we pick it up in Ephesians 4, we're going to pick it up, like I said, in verse 17. So there's a lot of scripture in tonight's teaching, so I'm going to give you the guys the uh, fair warning on that. And I'm also going to pray for the uh, person doing the uh, interpreting tonight because I'm going to try and keep myself slow so they don't flip out back there. So picking up in verse 17, it reads, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Just take a break there for a moment. We'll jump back in. You know, that should give like a little heads up of the type of thing that's going on here. You know, when we read passages like that, we need to read them with conviction. We shouldn't just read over them like you're reading a novel. I mean, he's being pretty darn straightforward there, that we are not who we were before. We are not walking that way. And he even says there, if you are, maybe you ought to check yourself. That if you truly have been taught by Christ and you truly know Christ, you would not walk the way you have before. Picking it back up in verse 25, it says, therefore putting away lying, 
Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, or rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So looking at that or reading that, the first point I want to look at is who we are. Who we are. Now, I want to explain this one because I don't want to come across as, as, as causing confusion because we all know that when we give our life to Christ, we are a new creation. But I want to go a little deeper into who you are as a person, your makeup, not what it is you do in this life, but who you are. You see, I believe, and I hope we all do, that God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. So if God made you a certain way, he meant for you to be made that way. Now, what we decide to do with the way he made us, that's our choice. That's where we go off the rails, but not what he made. If God made you, and I want to encourage you on this, to be a loud, outgoing person. If God made you to be a kind-hearted, loving listener. If God made you to be a prayer warrior. If God made you to be a person who's just there for everybody. If God made you to be that tough-as-nails person who could take on just about anything. There was a reason that God made you that way. I think a lot of times that when we give our life to Christ, we take that idea of new creation and new life in Christ, and we seem to think we, we need to change who God has made us to be. And instead of looking at it and saying, okay, God didn't make the mistake. I did with the way I acted with what he gave me. So if he made me this way, why? If he made me this way, what are the talents and the gifts that he gave me, and how can I use them for his kingdom? And I think a lot of times people us as individuals, hold ourselves back from what it is we can accomplish for the kingdom of God because we think that God made a mistake in the way that he made us. And if I'm a new creation in him, I can't be who I am. Wrong. We are who God made us to be. If you have a question about that, in Proverbs 139, verses 13, pick it up in 13, it says, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Some of us are more marvelous than others. And that my soul knows very well, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, there all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If you wonder if God made a mistake in how he made you to be the person that you are, that should tell you. God knew you before you were even formed. God knew you before you were carried in your mother's womb. He has accounted for your days in his book, before you took your first breath. Now, like I said, once we come out, now it's the world's our oyster and we're going to do all kinds of things. And that's where we go wrong. But once again, this is going back to the beginning of time, the beginning of the Bible. First people to walk on the earth messed up, didn't take them very long. We are really good at messing things up. So I encourage you guys, 
if who you are, whether you've been walking with Christ for a little while, just started walking with Christ, or have yet to start, God did not make you by accident to be the person that you are. I want you to embrace the talents that God gave you and ask him, how can I use them properly? You know, they always say, some people that do crimes and come up with these great things, what do we always say? Man, if, if they can only take those talents and do what with them? Use them for good. Imagine what they could accomplish. Well, you're no different. If you could take the talents that God gave you and naturally imparted you with and use them for good towards his kingdom, imagine what we could accomplish. So think about that. Who you are is one thing. Now, the second point I want to get into, how we are, eh, that's a whole different aspect. You know, what we choose to do with those talents, good or bad, that is how we are living in this life. And that's the difference. That is the how that has changed when we become a new creation in Christ. When God says that we are no longer that old person, that we put that away. Well, that's because how we are expected to act is very different. And I think a lot of times that he says it even there, that if you have been taught by Christ, if you are new in Christ, you better be acting different than the way you were before you knew Christ. Because it's real easy to go around and tell everybody, you need Jesus. Why? Because he changed me. But if you are no different than the person you were before, what difference does that make? How are you supposed to show that I am a new creation? If I'm still the same angry person, if I still sit there and cuss all the time, if I still do a lot of the stupid things I did before, and I am no different, how am I supposed to show that God changed how I act in this world and make a difference for this world? You see, a lot of times, and once again, I'll say I'm guilty of this, you know, especially when I first gave my life to Christ, and I still catch myself every once in a while. A lot of times, we don't change how we are for fear of repercussions from those around us. So, you know, it's, it's really easy to sit here and, you know, I, I choose to give my life to Christ because we realize there's something wrong. They realize we need a difference. But boy, when we get back to work and we get back around family and it's welling up inside of us and we get ready to share it, we start playing it out in our mind. Okay, I'm going to say this. They're going to say this back. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to ridicule me. That, now's not the time. Then tomorrow's not the time. Then next week's not the time. Look, you're not called to save the world. You're called to share the message of Christ. It's not on your back, so stop it. Don't put that pressure on yourself. It's real simple. We're asked to share the message of Christ. And if somebody wants to make fun of you for it, okay. I know it may hurt a little bit. You may be rejected a little bit. But I found in most cases, if those around you who really like you and care for you, even if they don't agree with you, they will see the conviction in your life and wonder why. That you will slowly eat away at them and they'll keep going, man, I don't care what, what we say to this guy or gal. They just keep coming back with the same thing. Before, they would have blown up and told us to go you know where and how to get there. But now they don't. Why? What's different? Well, we need to be prepared for that. You need to ask yourself, you need to pray to God to strengthen you up when it comes to that stuff. Because you're probably going to get that out there. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, picking up verse 26, it even reads, Therefore do not fear them, talking about the world. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, which is everybody around us, all the people on this earth. Even if it went as far as the rejection to even just like some places of death, they cannot take your soul, merely the life on this earth. 
And it says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. And I'll throw in there, a lot of you guys are saying, inside, I don't have a lot to number on my head anymore, Rich, but it's okay. He numbered them beforehand. So I ask, have we ever been in that spot? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'll be the first to admit it. I've been in that spot before. I've held back from sharing what's welling up inside me for fear of how people are going to react to it. And I'm allowing those around me to not allow the how of myself and the change of who I am to be exemplified and shown that easily because I'll hold back. I'll hold it back and everything. Instead of just saying, this is who I was, this is who I am, you'll probably notice it if you really do care about me and you probably ask that. So what's the worst that happens? We get a little rejection. We get a little shot here and there. You know, I, I know that most of you know, you know, I'm on the fire department, so let me tell you what, we, we can be really brutal with each other at the table, so, but that's our nature. But I learned over time that even these guys and gals that act tough, because it's what I care about and what I love, they stop after a while. And the jokes even come, you know, hey, Cap, why don't you pray for us? Why don't you do it? Because that's, that's a full-time job, and I'm time for all that, I tell them. You know, you guys need that much prayer. So, but... <laughs> But ask yourself, how am I acting and am I showing the difference? And we need to know that the works are there waiting for us. You take the who that you are that God made you. You take the how that you're supposed to be acting now, that you have a life in Christ, and get ready to do the work. Because guess what? He's already planned it out. You know, even going back a little bit earlier in Ephesians in chapter 2, it tells us that you have been saved by grace through faith. That not of your own works, because any of us should not be able to boast about that. But we have been created and saved by grace through God, who has great works for us to do, that he's already fashioned for us, that we just need to walk in them. And we need to understand that, that take the pressure off yourself. You don't realize, when I, when I started doing that, the pressure that it took off of me to actually sit there and say, wow, I, I, I'm, I'm not called to save the world. Nobody is rejecting you. Why? Because you can offer nothing to them. I can't offer you salvation. I can just share it with you. I can't save you. If you're looking for me to get into heaven, you're going down the wrong way. And it's going to end up in a bad place. But you need to realize that the Lord even told us it is him that they are rejecting. So when they make fun of you, I'm not trying to say it's not my problem, but they're actually making fun of him because I'm not offering them anything. I can't get you in the front doors. That ain't gonna happen. It's him and him alone that can do it. And we need to remember that always. You know, well, what are some other things in this Christian walk of how we act? You know, another one that I've come across a lot and I used to ask myself and over the years now I've had people asking me, well, I'm sure a lot of people have sit there and said, well, well, Rich, there's a lot of people around me that I wanna say something to and I wanna share how my life is different with what they're doing but I don't want to judge them because what does the Bible say? Judge not lest ye be judged yourself, right? So we, we all kind of know that one. So we stop ourselves from telling somebody what you're doing is bad for you. Stop it. Well, let me tell you right now, you're not judging them. You cannot carry judgment when it comes to that. You can condemn them and act like you're coming down on them, but you are not releasing judgment upon them. 
You don't have that power. Don't give it to yourself. And understand that. You know, we, when we read in Matthew chapter 7, that it says, judge not that you, not be, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, we read that, and a lot of times, if we don't understand what God's telling us in that, and we're sitting here in this Christian walk, and we want to share the difference, I want to invite somebody to church, I want to tell somebody about this new life, the, the enemy puts those verses right in your head, because we've all heard them. I knew those before I started reading the Bible, because we hear them out there everywhere. Judge not, lest you be judged yourself. Basically, when somebody says that to you, basically somebody's just saying, don't point out what I'm doing wrong, because I really don't want to know about it. That's all that's really saying. But please understand, this does not abdicate you from being the person in new life in Christ to point out to somebody that what they are doing is harmful for them, especially if it's harmful to their soul. Their eternal soul can be harmed by what they're doing. What it's saying there is don't judge them. That if you are a guy, and if I'm going to come up to another guy, and I'm going to tell a guy, hey, I found out you're cheating on your wife, and you're this, and you're that, and you're this, and I come down on them, and I beat them up. And then I walk out the door and, and, and I do the same thing he's doing. That's judging about the plank in my eye while looking at the speck in his. But if I am not walking that way anymore and I do not take that life anymore and I do not partake of those things, I'm not judging them. I'm letting him know, you're going to mess up your life. Stop what you're doing. That's not judgment. That's help. And we are called to help those. So take that out of your vocabulary if you think that I don't want to point out something to a friend, a loved one, or somebody at, at my work because I'm afraid that I'm judging them and I don't want them to judge me as well. Well, they can't judge you, so don't worry about it. The most they can do is say a couple words to you. But please take that, once again, off your plate. Take that off your back. You are not pointing out the speck in their eye to come down on them. You're pointing that speck in their eye out because it can harm them. And you need to point that out. So please don't ever hold yourself back from that. So we need to watch and say who we are. We've looked at how we are. Well, now to the real bones of all this is why we are. Why do we do all this? Why do we think all this? Why do we act like all this? Why is it we do this in the first place? And who's responsible for it? Well, understand that society believes and has faith in something. If somebody tells you they have faith in nothing, well, then that's what you have faith in, nothing. But you have faith in something. You know, another thing that I find that we do a lot, at least, once again, speaking for myself, but I always find that things are quite common sometimes in society, that we are worried about sharing Christ because we don't want to share his name because we're worried about it. Well, you don't want to know why? Because his name brings power. And just as his name being mentioned before you walked with him made you feel a little uncomfortable, it does that now to other people. Because now your comfort with that name and your comfort with the strength and the power it brings makes others uncomfortable. So understand that's going to happen. And I've kind of found that what happens, you know why people are so uncomfortable with it and, and why sometimes people don't want to give their life to Christ Accountability. Accountability. So take, for instance, somebody tells me, oh, I don't, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. 
you know, I don't show faith in God. You know, I don't believe in that. You know, I believe in the theory of evolution. I believe, okay. So basically what you're telling me is that you show faith in a bunch of men and women who get up on the Discovery Channel with a big fancy name like PhD something or other. Usually stands for pile higher and deeper. So, and they get up there and they put on a lab coat or they, they throw out a bunch of words that you don't fully understand and it sounds plausible. It sounds cool. I'm, I'm going to run with that. I'm going to believe what they're saying. I'm not going to believe what the church over here or what the Bible's telling me. I'm going to believe what they're telling me on TV. I'm going to believe what I read in that magazine article. Why? There's absolutely no accountability for your life in the belief of the theory of evolution. You know? Or if you just even want to... I, I tell people, look, you show more faith than me. Because I'm telling you right now, if you tell me, scientifically speaking that matter cannot be created. Am I right on that, honey? She's the science teacher. So I, I defer back to her. So you're telling me you find it easier to believe that this entire big, bold, beautiful, unbelievably incredible universe exploded. From where? What? I don't understand. Where did it explode from? Please explain that to me. If this is the thing that you choose to show faith in, and why do I ask it like that? Because the faith that they're showing in that thing will give them nothing. It has nothing in return. Why is there accountability following Christ? Because there is a reward for it. There is something that is going to be eternally granted upon us with that. So when people sit there and, and they, they watch this stuff, talk to them about it. Challenge them. Not because you're a Bible scholar. Heck, I'm not. But you can fully ask them. They're telling you that this is the thing that they choose to believe in. That this is the thing that drives their life. That everything they hear about on the Discovery Channel takes them in a different direction every time. Well, dude, can you hold one course for a little while and tell me what it is you believe? So you choose to believe a group of people that you don't know, but they plaster them up on TV. And we know that everything on TV is real. Why? Because they tell you. So it must be just like YouTube. So, you know, so you sit there and, and, and you think to yourself, okay, guys, so this is what you believe in. This is what you're grasping to. This is their why. This is their why for why they live their life this way. This was our why. I can tell you it was my why before I came to know Christ. This is why I would be able to live my life my way because Discovery Channel didn't hold me accountable. Dr. So-and-so, master of the universe, didn't hold me accountable. They tell me that I'm just created. Better yet, I came out of the mud. Then I was a fish. Then I was a monkey. I mean, I know we pick at each other sometimes, but, you know, I ain't no monkey. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I was foreign to my mother's womb. I come from there. So stand up to that. Ask them, why do they believe it? You don't have to quote, quote scripture to them to be able to argue that. Just ask them. How is it that you have come to the basis that you're running their life? I mean, heck, I was even blown away when even a few years ago that instead of just saying, wow, science is awesome because it actually proves that God exists because there's some things we can't explain. And that was the point of it, to look at the majesty of God. And science would be able to say that even with our unbelievable brain power and all that we know, there are some things that we cannot understand and explain. But yet we have perversed that, just like most things, and turned it into, we are going to prove that God does not exist through our arrogance and brain power. And then when even they sit there and they say something as simple as the atom, protons, neutrons, electrons rolling around. Did I get that right too? Okay. So 
that would look really bad if I'm up here saying that I just look totally wrong. And then when science sits there and boils down, and just once again, I'm just giving you guys a little bit of, of, of fuel for the fire when you go out and talk to somebody, that even scientists say, I do not understand why this thing holds together. Based on all scientific theory, it should blow apart. This is where we would say, once again, just more proof that what? God exists and he created it. No, 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 no. Uh, we're not going to say that. It's held together by cosmic glue. Is that what they call it? I mean, really? That's the best you could come up with? Cosmic glue now is what we're going with. Because we are so foolish in our ways of man that we can't, you know, we can't admit when we're wrong about something. You know, I want you guys to think about it. You know, people are going to say comments to you, and they're going to say this, why? Why do you follow Jesus? You know, you know that, that he's just a crutch for you guys. Now, and we, we've heard it said before, now he's a whole hospital. Put down your arrogance, put down your pride, and just admit that you need Christ. Just admit that you need him in your life, and realize he needs to be everything to you. He can't just be something. You know, I love when people say, and I've shared with people before about, hey, inviting him to church, you know, look at the difference in my life, yada, 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 so on and so forth. And they say, yeah. Yeah, I, I tried the whole God thing. I tried the Jesus thing. Oh, really? Cool. So we're going to chalk that up with Slim Fast. We're going to chalk that up with whatever other religion thing you tried. You don't try God. You don't try Jesus. He's not waiting in line with everybody else going, ooh, pick me. Because you're so wonderful. Please pick me. That's not what God does. He stands there. And when we are ready to come to him, Jesus is knocking at the door of our heart and knocking and knocking and knocking and continues to knock. And we just sit there arrogantly. Yeah, I, I tried that whole thing. Well, you want to know why it didn't work when you tried it? Because you weren't changed. You didn't submit and surrender your life to him. You tried it. He's not on match.com. He's not sit there to try him out. And maybe we'll get a second date, you know, that that's how I roll with Jesus. You know, I tried him out the first time. Didn't really work out, you know. He shared with me how he died for me and all. Jeez, now I feel guilty. So, you know, that's not going to work out for me. And we need to remember that that's not how Jesus works. That's not how God works. The why of why we do this is because never take away the beauty, the strength, the majesty of what Christ did for us, of who God is and what he represents. That he spoke the universe into existence. He didn't sit there and draw it out. He spoke it. What kind of power is that? that he counted the hairs on your head and numbered them, that he knew you before you were even knitted in your mother's womb. You either believe that or you don't believe that. Don't let anybody tell you when you tell them the why and you tell them because Jesus changed me and saved my life. Oh yeah, I heard about that Jesus guy. He's, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he's, he was a good teacher, a prophet. You tell them no. You challenge them with, you believe that Jesus was one of three things and you throw this out there to him. You either believe Jesus was nuts he was a blasphemer, or he is who he said he was. Because no prophet put themselves above God. Jesus said, I do not consider it robbery to consider myself equal and the same as God. He's not a teacher. He taught beautifully, but he's not a teacher. He was the Savior. So either you believe who he said he was, or you believe something else. But don't tell me he was a good teacher or prophet. Because that goes exactly against what it is he was teaching and prophesying about. Prophets don't prophesy about themselves saving the world because then you're blaspheming. So don't let anybody tell you that. Don't let anybody sway you on that. So why do we do what we do? 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking up in verse 14, it reads, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is why we do this, because we are a new creation, because we have been shown the truth, and we are going to share that truth. You're not saving anybody you're showing them the way to be saved, and that's all you have to share with them. And don't put any more pressure than that on yourselves. You know, I even think that sometimes in the church and in our walk, I want to share this part because I'm checking myself on this too, that sometimes we get caught in this rhetoric that we can do a lot of things without Christ. And not overtly we're saying to do them without Christ, but the way we speak and the way we act, we are removing Christ from certain aspects of our life. You know, one of the things, and this is a phrase that I've used, so I'm not throwing anybody out there because I've used it myself, but this is one of the things where I've checked myself lately. In the church, our human nature is when we are confronted with something, we don't know why it's happening, what's going on. And the honest truth is sometimes I don't know the words to say to somebody. I throw out a phrase like, God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm sure we've all heard that. And it says that in the Bible, correct? And nobody's answering because everybody's like, I don't want to say yes or no because I don't want to be wrong. Well, I'll, I'll, spoiler alert, it's not. Just like cleanliness is next to godliness. Just like Jesus, God helps those who help themselves, not in the Bible. But I've caught myself using that phrase before too, because I'll be honest, there's times I didn't know what to say to somebody. Because I have no idea why it is you're going through this. I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. I can't imagine what you're going through. So here's my out card. I'm going to refer back to Jesus and, you know, God's not going to give you more. That's not what he tells us. What he tells us that we kind of refer to that as is in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. It says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Don't put that pressure on yourself once again or anybody else. Why don't we have to? Because we have Christ because we have Christ to lean on, because we have Christ to be a part of. He is everything to us and should be everything to us. And when we sit there and we tell that to somebody, even in my own heart, when I'm going through a tough time and I would tell myself that, well, Rich, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, then I must be weak in faith. Then I must not be that strong. I must not be as strong as I thought I was. Because if God has given this to me, this, he must think I can handle it. But right now I can't handle it. I'm about to break down. I'm about to walk away from all this. I can't take this. And I would start putting pressure on myself. Because that's what I thought he was telling me. We do nothing in life without the power, the strength, and the guidance of our Lord. And it should not be any other way. Do not mix up temptations that we will come across with the life that we lead. Someone getting cancer, someone dying unexpectedly, someone going through a horrible time is not a temptation. That's life. And that's the horrible things we face. But you do not face them alone. 
And that's where we need to remember. Tell that person. Tell them. I don't know why you're going through this, but you're not alone. And pray with them. Don't, don't try and reason it away because we can't understand why it's happening. So don't do it. Just pray with them. Share with them that they can have strength and power. And the last verse I want to share is to go along with that, that once again, you're not alone. Don't try and take it on alone. Is in Matthew chapter 11, pick it up verse 28, that he tells us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I ask you, when you are going through the tough times in life, ask our the things that I am doing with God is the way that I am walking with God is what I am doing right now where God wants me to be or am I just running in a direction because this is where I started at this is where I was told to run to and I'm running over there but that's not where I'm supposed to be running because God's over there we are not alone do not attempt to do any part of life without the power and the strength and the love of Christ. Do not attempt to do anything in your life without the leadership of God guiding you. Don't do it. So like I said at the beginning, this is a walk, it's a journey. And we're just trying to explain a little bit of why, how, and who all this is about. But maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, I have no idea about this because I found it easier to believe in the Discovery Channel people than to believe in this God you're talking about. But I've been off the rails for a while and things aren't going right. And I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to know what it's like that I can be different because this God that knew me before I was even made in my womb loves me more than I could ever imagine. And I want to know what that feels like. So if we can bow our head and close our eyes. I ask right now, if there's anybody out there that does not have a relationship with, with Christ, that has not received, accepted salvation, that if you die tomorrow, you don't know where you're going to go because that's a reality. It's not a guilt trip. We're all going to end up in one of two places. And I pray you choose the right one. If you are not sure, if you don't know, and you want to accept Christ into your life, you want that new relationship with him. You want to just throw your sins and your cares and your worry upon him, take up his yoke and lead a new life with him. Then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you. That's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. That is awesome. Now I'm going to just lead you guys in a prayer. You're not praying to me. It's just a follow along prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church to join in because we do this as a family. So dear God, thank you for my life. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for the new life in you. I want to walk with you and be with you all the days of my life. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for those people.